All right, welcome everybody to the podcast today, Teaching Accounts. I'm, as always, I'm Abel Maestas. I'm an instructional math coach at Ceres Unified School District. And today, uh, I am so happy to be talking with a teacher in our district, and I'll let her introduce herself. So, um, go ahead. All right. Hello, everyone. My name is Enoe Ochoa, and I am the high school math teacher at Whitmore Charter. And I am in the unique position that I teach all the math classes here. So lots of business, lots of fun. Cool. All right. So today we're just getting together to talk uh, what you've been doing in your class. Um, in a lot of the previous episodes for Teaching It Counts, we've been doing the Building Thinking Classrooms by Peter Lillidal. And so I know that you have been doing some of that work, and I really wanted to have an opportunity to talk to you and just have a conversation about how things are going, what's going on in your class, how you've seen some changes, and really how you've been implementing some of the, the neat things that we've been reading about. All right. So um, I just kind of can you explain to everybody kind of what your class looks like? I know that you work at a charter school, so mm -hmm. sometimes those look a little bit different. So how is your class look? How many students do you have? Um, and what classes do you teach? All right. So I teach math one, two, and three integrated, and I also teach accelerated math two and accelerated math three, and we got to add on the pre-calculus course this school year. Now, my classes are different just because um, the, we work on a college schedule, so some classes can be as small as 10 students, some classes can be as large as 25 students. Um, but what I really strive for this year is to make sure that no matter how large or small each class was, that every student was able to learn and participate and show me the understanding. Because as teachers know, that's really how we can gauge where students are at in their learning progression, is checking for understanding. Um, so one thing that I have really enjoyed, I attended NCTM in uh, late September with Abel and some other fellow teachers. And we got to see so many cool strategies on how students can showcase their learning versus a teacher explaining everything ad nauseum and boring them to tears. <laughs> <laughs> so um, one of the um, strategies that I love so much and that you guys can see around my classroom anytime you walk in is the vertical whiteboard. Um, it has been a saving grace for me this year because I am working with new curriculum. So it's really awesome to see how students are engaging and interacting with that curriculum instead of hiding their knowledge in a workbook that maybe I'll look at once or twice a year. Yeah, I have to say, and that NCTM, the annual uh, conference was in LA this year, there was so much to come out of. There were thousands yes. of, like, I think hundreds of, of sessions. Um, and to see Peter Lillard all there and talk about what he's doing and, and some of the things really that could be done in our classrooms, uh, I think was inspiring. That's why yeah. I'm so enthused about this book um, and seeing it go on in the classroom. And you can see, I know we're sitting in your classroom right now as we talk. <laughs> yeah. And I, I love coming into your classroom because you can just see the math that kids are doing. Yeah. As you walk around, I'm walking around right, right now, I'm just looking around, you have your whiteboards out and there's still math. There's mm -hmm. still math up there. They didn't erase it yet. Uh, kids were in here clearly working on some sort of, um, it probably looks like I see some complex numbers here, so there's some imaginary numbers. What was that math? 
that was accelerated math too. Okay. So they're working on solving quadratic equations right now. Um, so they were introduced to the square root of a negative number, and we discussed what is that, does that exist, how is that mathematically possible, and through student investigation, they figured out, no, that's not possible. And then I introduced and explained the imaginary and the complex number system and all the fun stuff that can come out of that. So we were learning how to do some basic arithmetic with that, but they also realized that you can have imaginary solutions to a quadratic equation, which is really cool. I, I love the idea that students kind of came up with that like a conjecture mm -hmm. and then you've just formalized the mathematics with what they came up with through some exploration of a, of a task. Yeah, what I'm seeing this year, um, I'm letting the students do a lot of heavy lifting um, with our new curriculum. I was very scared to work with it because it's like, do I trust my students to have the knowledge or the rigor or the perseverance to really go through that exploration, that discovery, and that struggle. And it turns out, for the most part, a lot of my students do like this curriculum because they are taking ownership of the knowledge. It's I created it. I came up with this idea, and my teacher is just verifying that I'm on the right track. So it's really cool that, like you said, they come up with the conjectures. They're doing the discovery. It's not just being hand-fed to them. They're really having to use their critical thinking, which in previous years, at least myself, I haven't practiced that strategy. Yeah, I, I recall seeing Dan Meyer mm -hmm. at the, uh, we just had a math conference here in Stanislaus County MathCon, and he talked about how students come in with, they come in with, with math. Like, they have conceptions that they're coming into class with. And a lot of times when we just give them what we think they should know, we kind of negate all of the stuff that they come in with. And I like this, this idea that they're coming in with math and they're taking all of that math knowledge or whatever they come in with and connecting it to, to new concepts. And then you're able to be that facilitator and make sure that they can connect those and say, hey, look, it, you guys came up with this, all I'm doing is formalizing that piece and giving you some more math notation and giving you the, like, the math um, theorems and, and how to connect those ideas. Do you see students, ha have they shifted their mindset at all in terms of how they see math? Um, I would say that the biggest shift that I have seen is that they are more confident in their knowledge um, because, like we previously talked about, they get to experiment and play around and really confirm their previous notion. Um, what I also notice is that they have changed their mindset as it pertains to math. A lot of students are, I hate math. It's so difficult. It's hard to understand. Where we have made it that Yes, it is difficult to understand, but it's worth it to understand. Mm -hmm. um, so I've seen that shift where students are putting in more effort because they do want to understand it. It's no longer just getting an answer. It's knowing how to get to that answer. 
So that's been really cool. I've seen that a lot in my accelerated classes and my pre-calculus course. Um, and students really do appreciate having to struggle and not being given all the information. Um, they, they want to be challenged. They don't want to be coddled through their education, you know, especially those upper level classes. They're preparing themselves for the college life. They want to figure it out on their own. They want to be able to struggle and work hard to get to that end result. So I think it's pretty cool um, and pretty good so far. All right. The, you bring up an interesting point that students want to do it. They want to have the heavy lifting. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of us often, we come into teaching thinking, like, we're coming in to help students. And we want to help students. And when we see them struggle, we have to resist the urge to, like, jump in right away. Oh, for sure. <laughs> because it's just kind of our nature as teachers is to come in and we want the best for our kids. And we want to get in there and help them and help them understand. But sometimes it's, it's counterintuitive. By giving them too much, we're not allowing them to take uh, responsibility. We're not allowing them to actually do the work that is necessary to actually learn. Because learning is not really simply just somebody telling you how to do things. You have to make mistakes and then analyze that mistake and then figure out how to, how to move on from that. And having that coach or facilitator there to, to really help you along that path is, I think, really what we're trying to do. So that's interesting that you bring up that the kids, uh, one, are more confident, but two, they enjoy having the time to bring to the table their own learning. Oh, for sure. Um, what I am also um, really happy about, something that this new curriculum we're working with um, has suggested in many of the lessons is a lot of group work. You know, it's no longer the teacher gives you an example and the student does. It's group work to explore and discover a concept. And it's really awesome because I do different groups daily, so it's never working with the same people twice. And students have um, learned to work with others that think differently from them but they've also learned to respect each other's ideas. And um, going into our math practices, they've learned how to respectfully debate, you know, and counter example, uh, a certain definition, things like that. So it's really nice that they're sharing the knowledge with each other. And what I am really trying to work towards, hopefully within the next year or two, is for it to be kind of like, a community learning project. It's not just w one on your own. It's one for all and all for one, you know? Mm -hmm. If one of us is falling behind, we're all falling behind. So we got to make sure everyone's understanding. Yeah, that reminds me of um, the movie Stand and Deliver. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, you, you know this. Jaime Escalante just had an impact on my teaching career. And a lot of his philosophy was built around that whole team dynamic. So much so that when I would my, I guess my saying, if you ask some of my students, my saying was always, go team. Mm -hmm. All right, let's go team. And that was the way I kind of let students know it was time to get into their groups and start working on the task was I would just say, okay, go team. Mm -hmm. And that was their release. So I think that that culture that we build within the classroom is so critical 
for students learning. Um, he mentions, Peter Lilligal mentions in his book about that random groups, like you just mentioned, how you randomly place students in their groups every day. It helps students with empathy, uh, and it helps students with that culture. Yeah, and it also helps students be accountable because they can't get comfortable and be like, oh, we have the person that's going to do all the work. It's like, well, I don't know who I'm going to be with today, so I got to make sure I pull my weight. And we show up and we um, showcase our understanding, you know? Yeah. Uh, so I know that when we talked before, when you started to do this, we talked about those three things that uh, the first three chapters in the book, um, having tasks, student tasks, and having vertical whiteboards, and then the random groups mm -hmm. every day. I kind of just want to go back and, and, and ask you about how each of those is going. So, like, I know the tasks really come from our, our new curriculum. Mm -hmm. And so for those of you out there, the, the curriculum we're using is Open Up Resources. Uh, they provide lots of student tasks. It is a task-centered curriculum. So that's something different for our, our district. And the other two things... Uh, you'll have to do on your own, which is the random groups and the vertical whiteboards. So given that you are talking about the new curriculum and that's been working well with the tasks, um, how long did it take for students to really start to get comfortable with the other two things, the randomized groups and the uh, vertical whiteboard? So with my upper, actually with all my classes, the vertical whiteboards was kind of a struggle. Um, they were shy in showcasing their work at the beginning because that's not something we've done before. Um, it's always been work at your desk, the teacher's going to come check on your solution, things like that. So now, you know, they really had to learn um, on that mistakes are okay because that was the biggest hindrance, right? What if I get it wrong? Everyone's going to see that I don't know how to do this. Um, but what I kept on reinforcing to students is that these whiteboards are for me to gauge where they are in their learning and to push them further if needed or give them a hand, you know, um, if I see that they're stuck. What um, they have learned is that these whiteboards are also for them to check each other. Um, I've noticed specifically today um, in one of my classes, one group was stuck on a problem in Math 1 so they peeked over at a group two spots over, and they're like, oh, that's how they started. And they kind of got the ball rolling for themselves. So it's like we're no longer hiding and, like, locking our knowledge in a box. It's like we're opening up to share. We want to see everyone's ideas and everyone's thoughts. Um, so they're doing pretty well. I would say it took about a month for them to get really comfortable with it and really engage with it. So now students get excited when it comes to whiteboard work because that typically means, okay, the teacher's done teaching her part. Now we get to go have fun. <laughs> right. <laughs> they, they don't want to sit there and hear us brown on Exactly. Like, go on and go on and go They're on. All, what does the teacher know, yeah. right? And just so everybody knows, we are in a classroom, so you're going to hear dings from the, <laughs> from the yeah. school every once in a while. We're a K-12, so we have bells for every, every moment and period. Yeah. Um, so how, how about the randomized groups? How long does it take students to get used to the randomized groups? So with my upperclassmen, the randomized groups were, um, they were 
quick to catch on because they've had that in other classrooms. I've just never used it in mine. So they were comfortable with that strategy and they actually like it because they're able to work with different people um, because my upperclassmen, we do have small groups. It's like a class of 10 and a class of 13. So it's nice to change up who you're working with, you know. With my lower classmen, we're actually struggling a little bit on that one um, because it also kind of goes hand in hand with social behavior mm -hmm. and friendship groups and things like that. Um, so with my math one and my math two group, sometimes students try to be like, no, I don't want to be with that person or, oh, I'm going to switch over to this group. So they try to wiggle out of it because they don't want to work with certain people. But what I keep on stating in the class is that we don't have to like people to consider and respect their ideas. Just because we find someone annoying or frustrating or we think differently from them doesn't mean that they are wrong or that their thoughts are not valid. Um, so it's kind of going into that social-emotional behavior as well of learning to work with others and having empathy for students that are struggling, maybe that are falling behind and you're going to have to help a little bit extra. But like I mentioned earlier, this is a community effort. If one person's falling behind, we got to help them get back on track. So we're all right. moving forward. Right. Do you see students still? Like, how long have you been doing the randomized groups every day? Um, the randomized groups, I've probably been doing it for about two months, ah. solidly. Yeah. At the beginning, I was doing strategic randomized groups. So they kind of could start to tell, oh, I'm in the level situation, um, yeah. you know, higher order thinking, whatever. Um, so now I just. Um, Starting, I think at the end of September, I started doing the randomized groups. And that's better because students, again, are more accountable in their knowledge. We all have to put in effort. Um, but there's that issue with sometimes they don't work well together. Are you using like uh, playing cards or sticks? Um, or? I am using, uh, it's so cool, our admin bought us these pencil sticks um there's three different options we can separate by shapes we can separate by color or we can separate by number oh, so i just pass those out to students and then when we get to a whiteboard activity it's like okay um find your shape whiteboard and let's work with our team okay yeah is this are the students still kind of complaining about groups and or has that started to that started wane? That started to disappear. So they're getting used to the fact that, okay, we're not here to play around and, you know, chit-chat and socialize. We're here to work. So that's what we want to focus on. Okay. Well, that's cool. Um, how? So let me ask you some questions just about your own teaching practice. Yeah, for sure. So it sounds like the students are getting along. Mm -hmm. um, you've been teaching for... Four, Four years, years now, yes. and this is uh, kind of a significant change to what you've been doing before. Correct. So how has the changes that you've implemented this year, how has it kind of really affected you mm -hmm. as a teacher, your growth, your, um, your mental health too? Mm -hmm. Because sometimes a lot of teachers see shifts like this as being a lot more work and very difficult and, and, and and just probably too much to consider to, to making the shift. So how have you made the shift, and how has it either helped or been a struggle? Okay. So um, 
I did find it quite difficult at the beginning because obviously this is a different way of teaching than what I'm used to. So I really had to study the curriculum and familiarize myself with the strategies, but also the reasoning and the importance behind those strategies. Why is it that we're doing task-based versus uh, explicit direct instruction, you know? So it really did seem overwhelming. Okay, I have to trust my students to learn all this kind of on their own with a little bit of guidance from me. Um, but I really dove into the curriculum and I followed their lesson planning, but I also modified it into things that I was comfortable with, um, where I knew my students, I'm in a unique position that I'm going to know my students, freshman, sophomore, junior, and senior right, year. Yeah. So I really know where they're at, at um, in different stages throughout the year. Um, so I'm able to modify the lesson. Okay, I'm not going to be able to have them do a lot of independent work here. So let's have some more um, teacher components, things like that. Um, it was very overwhelming in setting it up in a way that was comfortable to me and a way that I knew my students could synthesize. Once I figured out the routines and, you know, where I could have independent work, where we were going to focus on task-based activities and things like that, it's really been, I'm going to say, a piece of cake. It really has. Um, the curriculum itself is very wonderful in that it provides so much detail in the lesson planning and it gives so much help in kind of um, predicting where students will get stuck, what type of conversations you want to have around what concepts. So that is really nice. Um, and I also feel that this way of teaching is so much better for my state of mind, for my mm -hmm. mental health, mm -hmm. because before I would be doing all the teaching, all the explaining, all the examples and when students would fail I would get so hurt in thinking what did I do wrong what could I have done to help them which teaching is a teacher's job but a student also has to put in an effort and be held accountable for their learning and their progression you know so now when my students are struggling or they are failing it's no longer you know, what am I going to do? How am I going to help them? I'm still going to be pitching in, but now it's a conversation. Okay, what strategies is the student utilizing in the classroom? Are they, you know, um, taking good notes? Are they studying? Are they doing the assignments? Are they participating in those task activities? And are they putting in their full effort to really understand this? So it's really nice in that the accountability is now kind of 50-50, you know, mm -hmm. where it's really, okay, what can the student also do to help themselves and improve? And in that point as well, the students now are showing you where their holes might be, oh, where yes. they're having trouble so that you can set up some sort of intervention. Mm -hmm. So I know you talked about that with me last time on your number of students that needed intervention has gone down. Can you explain yes. just like where that has come from and how that's been happening? Yeah, so it's really nice. At the beginning of the year, I was overwhelmed because I and the students were new to the curriculum. So I was doing a lot of intervention sessions with students that needed extra help and extra support. 
Um, but now that's not happening as much because the vertical whiteboards, they are such a blessing. When students are working on those vertical whiteboards showcasing their knowledge, I'm able to see which students are understanding and which students are struggling and which students are falling behind. So during those moments, I walk around the classroom and those students that are understanding, I always love to push them forward a little bit with some you know, uh, depth of knowledge questions and such. But those students that are struggling and falling behind, that's when I step into their group and we start to have conversations and maybe we go into more detail and some EDI in the moment to clear up their misconceptions. So now the intervention is happening in the classroom versus outside of the classroom where a student might not show up or they might not pay attention. Yeah, we talk about tiered interventions, tier one, tier two, and tier three. And what you're describing is in the moment, tier one intervention so that students are getting what they need at the moment and you're not having to wait until you test them after Correct. three weeks or two weeks or whatever and then go, oh my gosh, these students didn't do well, now I have to go and do some sort of tutoring or other intervention. Mm -hmm. We're gonna have kids like that. We're gonna have kids that are still struggling at that moment that we don't see in the classroom. But the opportunity that you've had now to see their work, catch them as they do it, catch them as they make those, those errors, and, and get them the, the necessary intervention that they need at the moment has, keep, has kept kids on track. Yes. Have you seen an increase in understanding and scores and grades? What have you seen in the as a student impact of these? Specifically in my Math 1 class, um, there was, I'm going to say about 20% of the students at the beginning of the school year, their first progress report was a D or an F. Um, and they were really struggling to understand the content and how it was being presented. Um, now, investing in that in-the-moment tutoring and making sure I check in with students and track their understanding, I'm actually going to say I'm pretty confident. I just looked at my grade book yesterday. I believe all, of, all except for two students are earning a C or above. So I only have about probably 1%, you know, that yeah. is earning a D or an F. So it's really awesome. And I'm sure that that is increasing the confidence level of students. Oh, yeah. They get so excited when they understand something. Earlier today, a student was struggling um, with uh, solving a variable formula for a specific letter. And then as a class, we discussed what those variables represented and how uh, we could undo operations. And one of the students shouted out, I understand you now. And <laughs> she was so excited. So it was just like so awesome. Even the smallest things, they, there are big wins, you know, in the world of math. And those are little wins for us as yes. teachers. That's what we hope. That's what we want. We want the, oh, or aha, and to get it. And that's the beauty, I think, of math. Oh, for sure. That it is a big puzzle. Mm -hmm. And we get excited when we can solve those puzzles more when we can solve it knowing that we solved it. Yeah. Even with a little help sometimes, but someone was just to give it to us all the time. Where's where's the fun in that? Yeah. Where's the fun in that? So I have one more question for you before we wrap up because we're coming to, to the end here oh, of right. our I mean we can talk for, for we can keep going and talking for hours about about all of this stuff and about teaching. 
but what's so what's next like what's your next move as you see things really working for students what do you see as something maybe you might move forward with so moving forward i've talked to our uh instructional coach wendy ferguson she's awesome um, we are trying now to marry the open up curriculum with the district's learning intention and success criteria and the framework. We really want them to blend well. Um, so what I'm focusing on, I'm hoping in the next semester that students are able to utilize their whiteboard, whiteboard work as evidence um, for reflection upon success criteria. So really tracking their understanding, but also, you know, making those direct connections to this is the work I did in the classroom. Wow, I'm successful in this concept. I, I've, I've mastered the learning intention. So that's where I'm going. That's great. And I have great news for you. I have been working on a tool uh -huh. to help teachers use Open Up resources and Mary learning intention success criteria we so go. Uh, we have to talk after this podcast to, to, to get together and, and take a look at that tool that, that I'm working on so um, well anyway it was great talking to you today again we can talk forever about what's happening in your classes and and the success that students are having uh, but I want to thank you for joining me today thank you everyone for listening and that's our podcast thank you very much Woo. <laughs> go do some math right yeah. Oh, we...